You're listening to the Digital Barbell Podcast. Our mission is to provide you with a clear path to health and fitness through education, coaching, and accountability. We are your hosts, Jonathan and Blakely Fletcher, and we are here to serve you. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a five-star review so that we can reach more people. You can find us daily on Instagram and Facebook at Digital Barbell. Now, let's get to today's topic. All right, guys, welcome to episode number 82 of the Digital Barbell Podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. We've got a really special episode for you today. I feel like I say that a lot, but this one is really good. It's an interview with Dr. Darren Deaton. He's a doctor of physical therapy up in North Texas. He's a starting strength coach. He's a CrossFit master's athlete and smart guy, nice guy, runs a podcast called 40 Fit Radio, and we got into a lot of really interesting topics. But before that interview, let's get into two things. Okay. Let's give a quick recap of our experience up in Round Rock this last weekend at the Rogue Invitational. We went up Saturday for the final day. Sunday. Uh, Sunday. Yeah. Of the, um, yeah, we, we saw most, we saw the CrossFit competition essentially cause the strongman was already over, but right. what did you like about it? What were some of your, uh, the highlights of watching it in person? Oh, it was so cool. Cause if we've never, we've never gone to the CrossFit game. So it was really cool to be able to see this in action. And, you know, honestly, I always thought like, I wouldn't really want to go to an in-person event because I always thought like, well, I can see it on YouTube or, you know, TV essentially. And I'm getting the coverage there, but like, no, it is, it is really cool to see in person, especially this was at um, held at a minor league baseball field, so it's a fairly like intimate setting, and you can just get your eyes on the whole field. You can watch what you want to watch. You're not like you know what the broadcast is yeah. showing. You you put your eyes on who you want to see, and then like you can kind of see the progress go down the field, and mm-hmm. even like the little minute things is like you know little quick things that these athletes do to like either get ahead or, or if they fall behind, you know, like picking up a jump rope and and how they, how they set their shoulders before they turn the rope. I mean, there's seconds that make these differences when they're moving so quickly. And it is really cool to be able to see that stuff in person. Yeah. I I was, I enjoyed it way more than I was excited to go, but I enjoyed it way more than I thought (laughs) I would. And this event honestly was really cool because it's a rogue invitational. Like you had to be invited. You had to be a CrossFit athlete to be invited so mm-hmm. you're seeing like the people that you normally see when you watch the CrossFit games. And not surprisingly, Justin Medeiros and Tia Claire Tia Toomey won. won the people who won the CrossFit games mm-hmm. last year. But yeah. also they had the, the legends there. So yeah. we saw, got to see all the people from the past, Chris Peeler, yeah. uh, Matt Chan, mm-hmm. Kristen Clever. Yeah. Some really, really cool, Tommy really Hackenbrook. cool athletes yeah, people we who, got to watch. I was disappointed Rich Froning wasn't there on day three. We only went for day three. That's who I really wanted to yeah. see, like, throw down in person because he's really impressive just to, how, to watch him work out yeah. that he had left the day before. One thing that we noticed, and I sent an email out about this, um, it'll be this week, I guess, when you're listening to this, if you listen to it, what comes out, was just one thing that we noticed is as you look around the crowd, mm-hmm. it looks a lot different than the crowd at the mall or at or the just bowling like at a baseball alley, game. Or, yeah. or at the ba- at a baseball yeah. game, like generally people are fitter, mm-hmm. they're um, have lower body fat percentage, they mm-hmm. look healthier. You see 
most people there have like visible muscles, you know, like Mm -hmm. arm muscles. They look like they train. Yeah. They look like they train and you're in a a giant group of people that look like they train. Yeah. I I noticed this when I do any kind of like certification type training too. You're in, you're, you're just like surrounded by a group of people that's a different group of people, the population that you normally see. Um, I think one thing we both took away was just like, since we were at a ballpark, they had the ballpark vending on the inside the chili dogs and then you know the normal stuff you get at ballparks and then on the outside where they had all the booths that the vendors that come for this event they had like the the you know grass-fed beef bowls and the <laughs> right. whatever smoothies and whatever they were serving and the lines for those were just like 50 people deep and then you know you could have walked up and got the ballpark food at any moment like there was no lines in there so mm-hmm. it was just like a generally like and you could bring your own food in too so people were munching on apples people were munching on you know just stuff they brought and you could just notice the difference in mm-hmm. what people were eating throughout the competition as well. And the point I made in the email this week was the reason that all these people or the majority of these people are fitter, healthier than the average person is because of those little choices. Mm-hmm. They do quote healthy people stuff most of the time. Yeah. Like they had the choice to uh, treat this event as a reason to eat those quote special foods but they (laughs) but they ate the foods that they know are going to make them feel good they did healthy people stuff and that's what healthy people do most of the Mm -hmm. time well we because we went to this to watch a competition we didn't go to eat a chili dog like we would have gone to a specialty place if we really wanted a really good chili dog you know this it just sometimes it happens like you're like i'm at a ballpark that's what you do yeah to become somebody who Mm -hmm. who identifies as a fit healthy person you need to adopt the behaviors yeah. of what that person does most of the time mm-hmm. so that when you don't do that, it's not the norm. Right. And you don't truly celebrate every occasion with, as a reason just to overindulge mm-hmm. in decadent foods that have nothing to do with the occasion. With the occasion. Yeah. Exactly. So anyway, that's, kind, yeah, that's the, kind exactly. of a tangent there, right. but um, <laughs> that's a recap on the week. We had a blast. I hope that they do it again there next year. And I hope that they actually do the CrossFit games yeah, it's, there. That would be really, it's really cool. cool. Yeah. Okay. Real quick. Um, I want to get to win of the week. We completely forgot to do one last week. And this one came in today and really made me chuckle. So, so here we go. This is from our client, Matthew. He's a custom training and nutrition client. Been with us for quite a while. Coach Bob Blakely. Coach Bob Blakely. <laughs> Important point whenever yeah. you uh, hear this story. Blakely does his training. I do his <laughs> nutrition. So I don't know who gets the credit for this one, but I thought this comment was Call funny. Me. So he said, so I'm at the gym. They sent this one uh, yesterday, today. So, so I'm at the gym and one of the bodybuilders says to me, dude, you do some crazy workouts with some mad heavy weights. You're getting gains. That was a quote from him. <laughs> and he said, I think this was all complimentary. And I said, thanks. And then he asked where I get my workout. So I told him about you guys and he was thoroughly impressed. Just, <laughs> just thought I'd share. Usually I'm making fun of the Globo gym goers, but this True. story had a good ending. <laughs> And also a little side note, Matthew is probably our most famous client, I would say. When he very first started with us, he told us that he was a former American Idol contestant. I think Blakely and I both just kind of chuckled it off as if like, hey, this guy's got a good sense of humor. Well, so the first remark was he said like, I... He was trying to video himself and was like, I don't like to be in front of camera, said the worst American Idol contestant ever. And I thought that was just like, in you know, a joke, like, oh, yeah. American Idol contestants, you know, they'll have to be on video. But no, he was actually on American Idol. He was on American Idol as a <laughs> contestant back in the day. And now outside of his, uh, his day job, his nine to five, he's a professional background singer for Carrie Underwood, for Kelly Clarkson, yeah. for Pink, for all of these 
heavy hitters in the music industry. Hanging so, with the celebs. I mean, essentially, we're famous because we know him. So <laughs> I like that. Essentially, we're BFFs with uh, Ke- Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, we may go hang out here this weekend at her place and wherever she lives. <laughs> I guess we should find that out. All right, cool. Well, I hope that you guys really enjoyed this episode. Definitely subscribe to the 40 Fit Radio podcast and stay uh, towards the end of the episode so you can find out where to follow Darren on social media. So here is the interview. You guys have a good day. Darren Deaton is the founder and senior partner of Riata Therapy Specialists in North Texas. He's a doctor of physical therapy. He's a strength coach, a rancher, and the co-host of the 40 Fit Radio podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Darren. Well, good morning. Good to see you. Good to talk to yes. you. So I mentioned that you're a, uh, you're a doctor of physical therapy, among other things. Tell us a, a little bit about kind of what got you into the field of helping others come back from injuries and improving their health and how you kind of got into fitness and strength training in general. Sure, sure. You bet. So um, I've been, I'm a DPT, a doctor of physical therapy, and also an orthopedic certified specialist. So it's similar to what physicians do when they do specialty or fellowship training, like an orthopedist, a neurologist, whatever, podiatrist, whatever. Um, and so um, I've been practicing 31 years. It'll be 31 years in December. So I'm an old guy in the profession. So I've seen a lot of changes in the profession. And for years, I, I practiced physical therapy as what I would call more of a traditional um, PT. Um, I did more of the traditional type interventions when it came to exercise programs or, or uh, patient interventions, modalities, the types of things that we do as PTs. But then later in my career, probably 10 years into my career, I'd, I'd always had a strength background. I was a gymnast growing up. Uh, that was my athletic endeavor. I was a gymnast all the way up into college. And, and uh, so that was kind of, uh, I, I was very athletic to start with. I loved lifting weights when I got out of gymnastics because I had nothing else to do. You know, you couldn't, when you were a gymnast, you couldn't lift weights because you didn't want to throw off body balance. And we did mostly body weight type activities. And so as I exited college and started my career, uh, about 10 years into my career, I started realizing, wow, I'm out of shape. I need to get back into shape. So I started looking at uh, exercise models and exercise methods. And I'm a big believer in science, reason, and logic. So I, I really like to focus in on what really works and get rid of all the junk science and all the bro science and all that stuff. And especially guys in my age, where I'm older than you, Jonathan, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure I'm older than you. I'm so 43. Are, yeah, I'm about 11 years older than you. So, um, but guys in my age, you know, I mean, or, or even back then when I started, which was like in my mid thirties, I was like, I don't want to spend my time wasting my time on something that's not effective. So I had this great background. I was a personal trainer when I was, my wife and I met in a gym. Um, that's how we met at a health club. And I was a personal trainer and she worked downstairs in an admin role. And so I knew, I knew quite a bit about exercise and the science of exercise, but I started going out there and looking at different programs. And one of the things that it led me to was high intensity interval training. And so for several years, I did high intensity interval training, not CrossFit back then, because it was too early for CrossFit, but it was mm-hmm. CrossFit-ish. Mark Versigen had a program. Several other guys had programs that were designed for more uh, multimodal top exercise formats where you were doing uh, more functional top training and, and more high intensity interval training. I did that for a while and then CrossFit came along and it 
blew my mind like it did most people's. And that was early in CrossFit's days. I mean, I think they hadn't even done the games yet. So it was way early. And so this um, was probably mid 2000s, I'm guessing. Uh, early to mid 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was like 2007. I okay. think the first games was in 2006-ish or so. So maybe mm-hmm. they had one games at the ranch. I'm not yep. sure Dave Castro's parents' place. But um, but I just it just intrigued me. And so I went out and I started doing some workouts. The funny thing, the way I found out about it, CrossFit, was I was I was reading a a article in Men's Health at a barber shop of all places. Okay. <laughs> this was a while. This was a while ago. Hey, what? <laughs> it's not a big priority now. I do this now, <laughs> you know, and uh, there was an article about um, a gentleman out in LA who had CrossFit LA, Andy, and uh, it, it just blew my mind. These guys were like in their forties and they were fit and they were lean and they were muscular and strong. And, and some of them had kind of a, not gymnastics, but a, but a body weight style athletic endeavor background. And so um, I went out and I started doing some dot-com workouts, you know, some HQ mm-hmm. workouts and they crushed me like they did everybody else. And that's when the programming was, was pure back then. The programming was a lot purer and a lot more simplistic. <laughs> um, and as you know, CrossFit combines the three, the, the, the three endeavors, you know, weightlifting, lifting weights, body weight work and endurance training or single modal endurance type movements. And um, the body weight stuff is obviously more gymnastics oriented. So I really enjoyed it. I excelled at it. Um, I felt great with it. And so in about 2000 and I want to say nine, the end of 2008 or nine, I, I opened a gym. And for 10 years, we ran three gyms, uh, not for the wow. whole 10 years, but we had three gyms when we exited the business. Um, and I sold all three of my gyms. And so during that time, the the evolution of of my experience as a trainer and as a athlete and as a as a dpt as a pt too it kind of led me down several different paths and i all all of it was driven by experience by experience you know Mm -hmm. what did this make me feel like and i don't mean emotionally feel like i mean physically feel like how did i feel when i went on a paleo diet how did i feel when i went on a um like a uh, uh, oh, more of a more of a um, intermittent fasting style diet. How did I mm-hmm. feel when I did this type of training or that type of training? What made me sore? Um, you know, a lot of people they they were like, "Oh man, this made me so sore. It must be awesome." No, it may. It's just the mode of exercise. The, the soreness doesn't correlate to improvement in in physical capacity. So, You've never done it before. That's why you were so sore. You've never done that much of it either. <laughs> well, that and you you throw eccentrics in the mix and you yeah. get sore every time. You know? <laughs> right. So I did that for years. And um, uh, my goal was to go to the games. I wanted to go to the games as a master's athlete. I never, I broke into the top 200, but never got below like, I don't know, 167 or something, you know. And um, so I started training other people. Obviously, we had the gyms. I did almost every single cert that CrossFit had. I was the first level three, I think, in the North Texas area. I had my CrossFit level one, two, and three. Endurance cert, Ollie cert, gymnastics cert. I mean, I had a bunch of different certs. Um, I did their only, they only did the exercise science cert once. They did one seminar and one certification. I had that too. Um, you're, an elite, so, you're in an elite group that has that then. Either that or I just like to go to a lot of courses, you know? <laughs> but, um, 
but I, I am a, I am a, a perpetual, um, uh, I guess you would say addicted learner. I love to yeah. learn. And so over the years, I was introduced to more of a pure strength training model and that was starting strength. And so what happened was in 2010 or 11, I believe I was introduced to Mark Ripito's starting strength model. I, uh, I was introduced to it through CrossFit. So mm-hmm. that's how I got in. That's when he was doing CrossFit's barbell cert. That's right. And so he was doing all the barbell cert of course. And so I went to his course in 2012, uh, went to the three day course. I'd already read the book. I read practical programming. I took the course, sat for the platform test, passed my platform and became a starting strength coach in 2012. After that, for a couple of years, I did nothing with it. I just used it in my gym. I just used uh, barbell training in my gym using linear progressions with my gym uh, members and became more and more strength biased over time, more and more strength biased and really controlling the only three variables that we can control as coaches or trainers. And that is intensity, okay, which involves, you know, uh, everything. It could be the speed of the workout, the amount of rep, well, that volume reps could be volume too, but they could be intensity too. Yep. Um, could be the time domain, but in strength training, it's, it's load. You know, yep. how much load are you gonna do? Um, and then volume, you know, um, and then the only other thing that you can change, so intensity, volume, and the only other thing that you can manipulate is the type of exercise, the mode of exercise. Mm-hmm. Those are really, everything else kind of fits into those three boxes, um, intensity, volume, and and uh, type of exercise mode. And so I did that for a while, and then I got more involved with the starting strength community. I had to um, pay my penance to, you know, start for not being involved. And I did that. And I went on similar staff with them several years back. And, um, and then I started online coaching and we started an online coaching business. And, and I did that also through starting strength online coaching when that was around and it became barbell logic. And I, I do some online coaching now, but not near as much as I used to. What I do right now is, I strength train clients. We have a small uh, starting strength affiliate gym in Keller, Texas. And that is both in-person and remote because of the way my my lifestyle is now. And uh, then I practice physical therapy three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And one of our practices, we have seven locations with Riata therapy specialist in the Fort Worth metro area. And uh, that's kind of kind of where we are today. And I've got 40 fit, which is a big part yeah. of my life. Um, but 40 fit basically is it's 40 fit.com or 40 fit radio. That's it's a podcast too. Um, it is basically the expression of what I learned as a 40 something guy. Cause I started in CrossFit at 40. Um, and so, you know, I was a little bit older as an mm-hmm. athlete, but it's an expression of the science and the logic and the reason and the experiential uh, knowledge that I gained over the last 14, 15 years of this, this recent journey. And um, it was also born out of my desire to want to create information for individuals in our age group so that we could get rid of the junk science. I mean, it's like your 401k or your annuity or your stock or cryptocurrency, whatever you're into. We, we're at an age right now where we want to be investing wisely. Sorry, I think I, we froze up a little bit. Let's see Are if you it still comes there? Back. Yeah, there we go. Popped back. Yeah, you got me? You got I me got back? you. 
Yeah, that, okay. that all makes Great. that all makes perfect sense. Okay. And so, so I definitely would recommend anybody listening to this to go subscribe to the 40 Fit Radio podcast and scroll back. I mean, it is just an invaluable resource of information. There's pretty much pretty much if you wondered about it, there's an episode about it. And, you know, um, Blakely and I are both over 40, and I think leading up to 40, we definitely heard a lot of people saying things like, "Man, once you hit 40." it's over. Your metabolism's going to tank. Everything's going to hurt. You're not going to feel like doing anything. You're going to gain weight. You're going to get weak. What do you say to that person who's in that spot now and kind of has been told that narrative and is unmotivated to even start to improve their health at our age? Well, those responses are science-based and they're definitely not my own experience. Um, you can definitely gain muscle mass. You can gain flexibility. You can gain lean mass. You can improve the quality of joint health. You can do all those things. You can improve your, improve your blood work. You can improve your, your lab work. Um, you can improve your hair unless you want to do that, you know, the plugs and stuff. Um, um, but, um, you know, you can improve every, all those things after the age of 40 with a little bit of work and a little bit of um, information. So, um, you know, what do they say? You know, 40 is the new uh, 30 or 20. I don't know what they say, but, but basically, <laughs> I mean, do I feel, I don't know what, I don't know what 54 years old feels like because I've only been here once. Yeah. But I will say this, um, I'm reasonably stronger than I've ever been. Um, uh, do my joints feel the same that they did when I was 20? No. Do they feel the mm -hmm. same as they did when I was 30? No. But they've got more mileage on them. But I think for the individual that wants to change their quality of life, improve their fitness, their health, and their lifestyle, um, all you got to do is put a little work into it. And then you want to make sure that whatever work you're putting into it is through guys like you and your organization or our organization so that your money and time and resources are well spent. So, yeah. I yeah. Mean, that's a, that's I, a good thing. One of the kind of taglines for our business is that you work hard, you deserve results. And that kind of goes to, there's a lot of things out there you can do, but that doesn't mean that your hard work is going to pay off if you're doing the wrong thing or you're doing the right thing the wrong way. So yeah, that, that we completely agree with that statement right there. Um, I think there's a, a few things that I want our listeners to really understand when it comes to, you know, just how we really can thrive as we get older instead of just fading off into the sunset and gaining weight and getting weak. And you can really boil it down probably into two main categories, the ways that we can eat to help ourselves out and the ways that we can train to help ourselves out. I thought about throwing mindset into this also, but they're kind of interwoven into both of these other topics anyway. And that might be a whole nother <laughs> episode to get into yeah. mindset. So let's talk a little bit about nutrition. Um, when you think about the way that we need to optimize our nutrition or way that we can, as we age, what are the main things that kind of come to mind when you think about that? Sure. Well, there's, you know, as, as you know, there's 101 different diet resources out there. And I, I don't, I never like to use the term diet because we all have a diet. We all have a diet of something. We all have a choice to make when it comes to the foods, foodstuffs that we stick into our mouth. And there's a ton of them out there. So I, I really looked at, like to look at it, like you said, is nutrition. What, what are we feeding this machine? Because a doctor friend of mine, a guy named Richard Hankey, Dr. Richard Hankey, he's an orthopedist. I've known him for 20 plus years now. And a long, long time ago, and he's very fit for a guy his age. He's in his 70s now. 
he once said to me, hey, if you think about food as just fuel for your machine, then it changes your whole mindset about what you put into your body. And so the majority of the time, you know, it might be 90% of the time I eat really good. I eat really clean, whole foods and, and lower carbohydrate, not no carb, but just lower carbohydrate naturally because of the way that I reduce processed foods and fried foods and, and um, high uh, corn fructose syrup foods out of our diet. So it just naturally progresses to a, a lower carb, higher protein, good quality fat diet. And so I always tell people, there's, there's really a handful of things that are driving your maximum genetic expression of who you are. And I like to term it that way, the maximum genetic expression, okay, of who you are. And that is, you, had a, you have a certain body that was made, created, okay, and that body has a maximum expression and a minimum expression. In other words, you can really maximize all the good parts of your genes, okay, all of those expressions of your genes. Or you can also maximize the bad parts of your genes, you know, which are things like obesity, diabetes, hypertension, hypercholesterol, all those things. Now, there's some things that genetically you are given, you're not, you might make them better, but you're not going to get rid of them in, in some, on some occasions. If you've got a family history of hypertension for, let's say, three, four generations, um, and, and you've got natural hypertension, it's just part of your gene pool. But what you try to do is you try to control it with your diet as much as possible, your exercise in, intervention, your stress and recovery cycles. And then you might have to take a small, very low dosage of a hypertensive meth. Um, but the goal is, is to minimize that and give an effective dosage and not overdose yourself with something you really don't need because your lifestyle habits are what driving that hypertension through the roof. So there are three things that really influence kind of who you are expressed as an older adult. And that is number one, your genetics. You're not changing that. So let's just write that off. Boom. Number two, your nutrition. What are you putting in your mouth so that you can burn those food calories so that your machine can run and you can help your body be in its maximum performance level. And then number three, how do you exercise and how do you live? What are your lifestyle habits? What are, mm -hmm. what are the endeavors that you're involved in? And so I think that all three of those things are crucial to be able to maximize that genetic expression of who you are. So when I deal with clients, probably like you do, um, the first thing I ask them is do a food, food journal for a couple of weeks for me. Let me see. Yep. Let me see. I, I'm not going to shame you. I don't care what you're eating. I just need to know as a coach. If you tell me I want to gain lean mass and you eat nothing but high processed sugar foods and you're very low on your protein intake and your quality fat intake, I can train you all day long. It ain't going to happen. It's going to be hard for us to build lean muscle mass, especially as an older adult, because as you age, the stress recovery cycle gets longer to improve um, muscular development. And so your ability to gain muscle mass, you know, to get protein synthesis declines as you age. So you need more protein. And you know, what do we do as we age? We, we eat less protein. And so you need more protein to be able to get um, your body to synthesize from the training that you're doing. So it's all about that stress recovery and adaptation cycle like you're, like mm -hmm. you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what, what you said about the food journal is exactly what we do with people <clears throat> when they start just from a baseline and it's really the awareness phase. And, uh, we probably have a similar experience that we find that most people are eating somewhere between a half and 
two thirds of how much protein is probably optimal for them. They're eating too many refined carbohydrates, probably not aware of how many different sources of fat they're eating that are contributing to them eating too many calories in general. And then um, going back to what you said about eating kind of a lower carb diet, I think uh, that people's ears probably perked up when they heard that. But the takeaway I want people to have from that is when you eat a diet that has mostly carbs that don't come from a box with a barcode on it, you automatically force yourself eating into eating less carbs than the average American would. You know, if you're eating mostly fruits and vegetables and grains as your carbs, well, those aren't crackers that you're going to sit down and eat five, 600 calories of accidentally. Right. right. You know, I mean, I tell, I tell people all the time, they're like, well, what's your carb intake? I said, well, I don't measure it anymore because I can feel it. You know, I've, it's probably like you guys. I kind of know when I'm overeating, under eating, you can just, you can feel that, that ebb and flow and what your, what your body looks like um, through fat mm-hmm. gain, fat loss, uh, through the change in how you feel and your joints and everything else. And so, but I may eat 250 carbs a, a day, 300 carbs a day if I'm training hard. So it's yeah. not exactly low carb on the low carb rate, but they're good quality carbs. And they are also being burned by the fact that I'm trying, that I'm gaining more lean mass or that I'm training hard, I'm getting ready for something. And so when I get clients in today, it's a, I have a little different approach. If I get someone in and they're obese, you know, there's, there's three types of people that walk in. We, we don't like to use the term obese anymore because it's politically incorrect, but it, it's the appropriate scientific term. Or sometimes in medicine, so we don't offend a patient, we might use the term overly nourished. But <laughs> I've never heard that one before. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so common in our world. So the client was overly nourished. And this, so, sound, this sounds like that night that I went to a gala and I was overserved alcohol. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, so, you know, what I try to do is, first of all, I, I look at the client and I listen to the client and I ask myself, are they in a weight gain, weight loss, weight maintenance mode? Can I look at them and tell? Now, they may be a 5'11 male who's 45 years old, 50 years old, and he weighs 165 and he's 5'11 and he says, I want to keep my weight right here, but I want to get stronger. And I just look at him and I say, if he's fairly lean, I just look at him and say, you're underweight. You're, you're under masked. You're yeah. undersized. You're I don't, under muscled. That's right. You're under muscle. I don't have some ideological framework that I work from there. It's really practically speaking. If you want to get reasonably stronger, and you're fairly lean to start with, and you're 165 pounds and you're 5'11", it's going to be hard to do. We can muscle up what you got, but as you start gaining muscle weight, muscle weighs two times as much as fat, you're going to gain some weight, but we just need to look at body composition over your weight. Who cares about weight? Let's look at your composition. So I have two pictures. I'll, I'll post them on Instagram or I'll okay. send them to Messenger. I've got two pictures of me. One, I'm 50 years old. One, I am about um 30 something years old i think i'm i'm like 38 or 39 i weigh exactly the same it was right before i started crossfit and you can't tell the bodies are the same bodies um and yeah. i weigh in both pictures i weigh about 200 pounds and and one of them i'm, I'm 50 years old so you, you just can't tell and how many stories have you heard like that i mean they're yeah i have the same of, pictures of me uh, 160 yeah. pounds looking to look like two different completely people completely yeah. people but 
let's talk for a second then about uh, just about body composition in general and how we change our body composition over time. So body composition is kind of the relative ratio of how much fat versus muscle you have. And that can fluctuate independent of whatever your weight is doing. Cause as you said, the same volume of muscle weighs a lot more than the same volume of fat. So we need a couple things to have a change in body composition. We need adequate calories to fuel your workouts and to provide the actual constituent material needed to build muscle. And we need the stimulus to make all that happen. The nutritional stimulus, like I said, is enough calories, which means you can't crash diet. You can't be in a calorie deficit chronically forever. That will lead you to being skinny fat. And we need specifically on the nutrition front, we need plenty of protein. And like you said earlier, as we get older, our body gets less and less efficient at using the protein we eat to stimulate muscle protein synthesis. So where do you kind of tell people they need to be on their protein intake, specifically talking about the over 40 crowd? Yeah, so I mean, I have a general guideline, but I really look at them and look at them individually. But my general guideline is females are probably going to be somewhere between 130 to 150 grams. Um, and males are probably going to be somewhere between 150 to 200 grams based on their size. I mean, if you get a guy that's six, eight and weighs 340 pounds, I mean, you can only go so high on the concrete. Right. It's like all your calories go to protein, you're, sir. You're not necessarily <laughs> trying to make him Brian Shaw or, the, you know, so right. but, um, <laughs> as we, as we sport our rogue equipment. Yeah. I'm going to the rogue invitational tomorrow. Oh yeah, yeah. So my, my business partner and his wife are 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 down there right now. So um, very cool. But um, yeah. So I mean, my approach has changed a little bit to that too. I mean, protein intake is important. Um, obviously, that's the foodstuffs that you're talking about. Getting the proper nutrition. And here's my approach with almost every single client that comes in today, whether they be 77 or whether they be 37. Okay, and that is this: if you are under strength. And under muscled, and I don't mean muscled up. I don't mean, you know, jacked muscle, bodybuilder looking, physique looking for males or females. But if you are relatively not strong, the first thing we do is I don't worry about your diet. I don't worry about anything. I get you under the bar. Mm -hmm. I get you doing the big compound lifts. I get you squatting, deadlifting, pressing, um, uh, uh, bench pressing, if you got reasonably healthy shoulders, doing chins and weighted push-ups, and then maybe a, and very little cardiovascular work to start with, um, because the number one thing that I can do to help you, both externally and internally, in your internal, you know, we we talk about endogenous and exogenous stimulation or 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 uh, manipulation. Mm-hmm. Endogenous manipulation would be if I can increase your muscle mass and create a bigger metabolic machine inside of you. And I don't mean bigger in size, like we're going to make you massive, but I mean bigger in regards to lean mass inside your frame, muscle mass on board. That muscle mass can now act as one large organ. And that one large organ is just like your kidneys, your liver, your heart, your lungs, your brain, anything else, your skeletal system. That one large group of compendium of muscle mass will drive your metabolic rate more than anything else we can do. The more muscle you have on board, the faster your metabolism is going to be because muscle requires calories and lots of calories. And when we're 
building down, when we are breaking down and building up muscle, breaking down, building up muscle, it's a very active factory that requires all of these substrates, all these natural um, resources of calories and foodstuffs to grow that machine that we're trying to grow. So that's the first thing I do. Now, we talked about those three types of clients, weight gain, weight loss, weight maintenance. At that point, I then look to what's our real goal long-term, but I'll put them in a linear progression and LP, starting strength LP for, for two or three months minimum before we even breach depth deep down into nutrition. Um, now, I'm going to tell them early on, you need to get your protein, and we talk about that. But everything else, I kind of leave at the wayside, and then slowly but surely, as we work into their goals and work into the process, when I know that, wow, this guy's maxed out his LP, or this lady has maxed out her LP, she's reasonably strong now, we've been doing this for three to six months, and now she wants to drop some pounds, she wants to drop some body fat off of her frame. Okay, let's start talking about where your diet is, what we need to try to pull out of your diet. And I don't just make them go cold turkey. You know, humans are, humans are, humans love to swing to the, you know, their polar opposites, right? All, all or nothing. Or none. Right. We did a pod, <laughs> podcast on that, that all or none mentality. Yeah. And that is, that's always gotten me in troubles. You know, that, that's an emotional thought line. That's an, that's an emotional response to the stimulus or the stressor in your life. Stop making emotional responses and use your thinking brain. Use your thinking brain. And, you know, emotional, emotional decision-making for most parts of my life has gotten me in trouble. But when I use my thinking brain, back my good emotions, then I can make better decisions. And again, then we're talking about the type of thing that you provide, which is logic and reason, scientific information, you know? Yeah. It, it makes me feel good to know that when people go train with Digital Barbell, they're going to get reasonably well thought out scientific information. And that's a good bang for the buck. That is a, mm -hmm. a valuable resource. That's like going to a good broker and finding a 401k or a group of investments that will turn you that, you know, 10% every year that, that matches rule 72, you know, so every seven years you double your money. That's the goal. You yeah. Know? In our bodies, <laughs> we want to do the same thing because I can't tell you in my practice life, how many people I watch outlive their resource i mean not outlive but underlive their resources mm -hmm. they 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 basically or they outlive their biological true lifespan but they have terrible health markers and terrible health metrics and so mm -hmm. they're not re living that that maximum genetic expression of who they are that's the goal some came to mind when you were talking about that it was like you know basically we have this opportunity to let, let's just assume that we're a car and we've got this engine and we know that over time the engine is going to get weaker and weaker regardless of what we do to some extent we have the opportunity through training and by putting a focus on on nutrition to build that engine up as much as we possibly can so that as it declines slowly over time we're still at a point where we can live independently and enjoy life and and feel good and and live like you said to the maximum expression of our genetic potential because right. we're going to slow down a little bit yeah. <laughs> regardless well, I, mean, I mean everybody knows that i mean that's a great that's a wonderful analogy i never really thought about the the motor or the engine as an analogy but everybody knows that likes cars at all and you know i like cars <laughs> so you saw my newest little toy of yeah it. so um but motors as they're used they lose compression 
-hmm. They lose the ability to be as um, as powerful because they lose compression. Leak a little oil, have a little have have a little leak around the lifters or around the seals, and so rings, and and so they lose the ability to produce as much power as before. So your goal is is to take that vehicle and maximize the way you treat it, the way you fuel it, the way you take care of it. You might even have to repair some things at times, right? And humans are the same way. And I tell my patients all the time, hey, the number one goal is not to heal you with steel, which basically means stick a needle in you or stick a metal part in you to work on something. We don't want to heal you with steel. We want conservative management first. But I will tell you, if you're a 65, 70-year-old client and you have no articular cartilage in your right knee, the cartilage is gone, it's bone on bone, that ain't coming back. And and I'm sorry – Regenerative medicine is amazing, but once the natural bed of cartilage is gone and there's no cartilage left, there's very little that can be done with that. So we got to send you to the doctor, the surgeon. And sometimes we get knee replacements and sometimes we get, and all these other things. Um, And that's unfortunate. But again, if that one thing that you've worked really hard to work through and you're just not able to do it and you've done everything you can do, weight loss, increasing lean mass as much as possible, good nutrition, physical therapy intervention or training with the coach, all these different things you've done, you know, avoidance of painful activities as much as you could, and you still are not functioning well. Now that one part is limiting the whole machine from being able to do its job. We got to address that. And so that's the way I view everything when it comes to human existence is what works. You know, my, my old doctor friend again used to say, I don't treat people poorly because that doesn't work. You know, Nations shouldn't <laughs> war against nations sometimes because that doesn't work, you know, yeah. very altruistic in how he thinks. And so I think that I do what works because, again, we, all, we have a limited amount of time here. Let's enjoy that time. Let's maximize our potential. Um, you know, that's why I like to do things like this, you know. So. Yeah. So you, uh, let's talk about, about real quick on the training side, what works. We talked about the importance of, um, you know, building strength and lean mass. And we talked about the barbell lifts and I know that we actually have a really similar background that combines, you know, strength training, specifically starting strength with our experience with CrossFit. And you touched on the big lifts for somebody who's just beginning, walk us through that first six months of how they're going to train with the barbell. Sure. So the number one thing that I don't do, don't do with any client. Well, first of all, when a client comes in, I do a quick medical history with them and I'll find out what's been going on with your body. And then I want to know a little bit about their, their just their lifestyle history, any athletic endeavors, were you an athlete growing up, so forth and so on. So I get a little bit of background on them because that might guide me a little bit in regards to how I start their training. But one of the things that I learned through starting strength, it took me a long time to learn because PTs, we have this academic background where sometimes we like to complicate to validate. We like to complicate things to make them seem more hard to, to handle or to manage. And then that also raises our understanding of our own abilities and kind of elevates who we are as a professional. And so for, for several years, I would say early in doing starting strength, I had to take my physical therapy white coat off and put my rogue shirt on or whatever other workout shirt, starting strength shirt, whatever it was on, and think more like a coach. And, and it wasn't less elevated thinking. It wasn't dumbed down. 
it was just more, this works, try this and see what happens. Why should we make it complicated if it doesn't have to be? So I would start, so what I learned over that experience was every single client that comes in, I do what's called a barbell startup with them, which is a two to three hour session of showing them all the lifts. In that experience of working with them for the two to three hours, I find out what they are and are not going to be able to do. So the experience itself of doing the lifts, going through the movement model, going through the squat, going through the deadlift, going through the press, going through uh, the bench press. And a lot of older people, and I would say anyone over 40, really, they think, well, I can't do those things anymore. I'm old. You know, I can't lift. And I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm stronger than I've ever been. I mean, I'm not as strong as I was a year and a half, two years ago when I was training to do strength lifting nationals, but, mm-hmm. but I'm still strong. Yeah. Um, and so um, a lot of people, they, they want to modify the program before they even start the program. Well, here are my problems and here are the things that you're going to have to work with. And, and I've got this and I've got this and I've got this and I've got this. And I'm like, all right, I get it. I know your medical history. These are the things that we're going to need to work with. Let me see what you can do. Let's, let's not prejudge. Let's not develop confirmation bias that we can't do it before we try it. So what we do is we then go through the lifts and then right then and there, if I have an individual that has a bad knee, I mean, he's got a knee that's just junk, you know, plain and simple, it's, it's joint junk. Um, and I, I see that they can't squat to the parallel. That's fine. We'll work on that. So mm-hmm. I'll modify the squat based on their performance in the movement model. And if they have any pain generated or if they have any discomfort, we'll modify the movement. So we might do a squat that's a little elevated to start with. They might squat to a box or they might yep. squat to uh, pins or they might. So we'll modify that. Then the same thing comes with all the other lifts. And I've got individuals, you know, people say, well, you know, he, he barbell trains and I, I, could, I can't even squat. I can't even get out of a chair without, you know, 65% of all females over the age of 65, no, 60% over the age of 65 can't stand up from a chair, a parallel chair without the use of their upper extremities, their arms to help. So everyone's weak as they age. Yeah. Your cohort is weak. You know, all of your cohorts are weak. If you don't train, you're weak, generally, <laughs> unless you've got a lifestyle that makes you be strong. Unless you're lifting hay or you're lifting equipment or you work out on a farm or you have a job where you lift all day long, you're weak. And so um, what I do is I've got clients that can't even squat their body weight to start with. I mean, when I don't mean a barbell and body weight, I mean yeah. their body. Air squat. That's right. An air squat. So we might work there yep. or we might even get them on a leg press. Cause I love the leg press cause they can move the leg sled like a hack squat. And we gradually work them up on the leg press until they can do their body weight. And then a little bit more than their body weight so they can handle a bar. Then we go to the rack. And so that's, so that person's six months experience and expression is different than the person that comes in, they can squat 225 right off the bat with a bar. Yeah, but, but it's the same. It's yep. the same, you know. Um, the big takeaway the there is that you meet them where they are and help yes. them improve from there. Right, and so, and I would say that the biggest limitation of people over. Let me just say this: the biggest limitation of people everywhere is the muscle between their two ears. It's yeah. this right here. It's what we got going on right here. We prejudge what we think we can or can't. And when that occurs, we can or can't. 
And I don't mean that that's not a self-help seminar or anything else. That's my own personal experience. That's experience of thousands of, I call everyone an athlete, but that's experience of thousands of lifters and athletes that I've trained over 30 plus years. The, our biggest challenges are mental mindset. Most people are mentally weak. Mm -hmm. and, we, and barbell training or strength training or um, devoting yourself to quality nutrition, all of that is what we would call voluntary hardship. And voluntary hardship is good for humans. It makes them stronger mentally. And when you're stronger mentally, you express yourself stronger physically. And so I think that one of the biggest challenges in that process of gaining strength under the bar is we're not only building their bodies, but we're building their minds. I mean, haven't you had the client that came in and could barely squat the bar and they thought it was heavy? But one of the challenges was, was that they probably could do more, but they just mentally had a block and they thought they were weak. Oh yeah. And then what, what happens is six months later, they're squatting. It's a woman and she's squatting 135 for three sets of five with a bar. And, and she's, she, the bar is like, it's, it's not even a warm up anymore to her. Yeah. You know? so, I mean, yeah, just, you can't, you can't coach people physically or on their nutrition without somehow getting into self-limiting beliefs that are holding us back. And that's the muscle between the ears that you're talking about. And one thing I think people miss in this whole mental game is the effect that other people can have on your mental game. You can get what's called noceboed by yeah. somebody else. And that turns into your own self-limiting belief. You go to a barbecue with your family and your uncles, Oh man, I got hurt doing squats. You're going to get hurt doing squats too. And you yeah. now, in, now in your mind, you've set a self-limiting belief on yourself based on their experience, regardless of whether they had a coach, whether they were whatever. It's just, I think people need to sometimes hear those things and let them just pass through their brain without internalizing them. Well, again, emotional brain, thinking brain, thinking with your thinking brain, a thinking person would analyze that and say, you know what, uncle, Johnny, um, I don't know all the variables that were involved in Uncle Johnny's experience when he squatted. Number one, I don't know if he squatted correctly. Number two, I don't know if he did the right kind of squats. Number three, I don't know if he was coached correctly, if he, if he used the right loads. You know, there's so many variables involved. Um, and and I, I'm just the type of person, and I try to train people this way too. I mean, so much of what you and I do is – working with human behavior, cognitive behavioral therapy. It's working with human behavior and getting people over their own selves, you yep. know, and, I, and I'm the same way. I mean, we at all differing levels, as you, as you begin to succeed and succeed and succeed, you have your own limiting beliefs at, at a different level, you know, and in some areas you're really low on the thought process. And in some areas you're very high on the thought process in regards to your ability to analytically think through things and use didactic knowledge and be able to work through things as you progress. And my experience has always been, I don't go to the non-expert for expert information. And so that's probably not gonna be Uncle Johnny and, <laughs> or Aunt Susie. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's probably gonna be someone who has developed the level of success that I want. And that's why I also try to, try to uh, network with individuals like that, guys like you and your wife and, and other people in the industry that are, that are, I know, doing the right things um, and using the right general model. We all might have a little different approach, but we're all really using the same um, success habits and same variables. We're just tweaking them a little bit for our own personality style or, or what we've seen work for our group of clients. 
Yeah. Well, um, I want to keep this as brief as we can because, but I have, I'm going to save some other things for the next time we talk. We're going to talk next time probably about injury and working through injuries, more about recovery, and then something you just mentioned about habit building and routine, which are interlaced into everything that we just talked about. But I'll save that for another time we get together. Why don't you tell everybody? Go ahead. Let me let me talk. Let me just say one thing because I think this will be a, a really nice nugget to throw in there about injury or um, recovery when it comes to being hurt or injured. Okay, like I was taught early, early on in my athletic career as a gymnast, you can you can train and you can compete um, injured, but you shouldn't hurt. If that makes sense, there are some injuries that become significant hurts. And you really shouldn't be training and you shouldn't be competing with those things. You need to see a medical professional that has a brain, hopefully, and uh, which is hard to find sometimes. And, um, and or, sorry, but it's just true, man. <laughs> you know, at the academic world is so westernized and it's so, I mean, I, I learned so much from PT school and I learned so little. I mean, and so, um, but it's, it, you know, the key there is, is, and the one thing that I try to do with my clients is help them understand is 99.9% of the time we can work through this. We can literally train through this. I've had individuals pull their back, pull their hamstring, pull a hip muscle, you know, sprain a hip flexor or something during the work sets. And they come out of the rep, they rack the bar, they do whatever they're doing. It could be something that was high intensity interval training too, kettlebell swings or wall balls or whatever, whatever we're doing, the sled, you know, um, rowing. And they, they put the weight down or they stop the activity and say, oh, I hurt myself. I can't, I'm, I need to stop. And I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's talk. Let's think. And I've done this hundreds of times, face-to-face mostly with clients, but sometimes online, working with my online client resource. And... Um, we would just, you know, we're going to analyze that. Okay, how are you feeling? What's going on? Can you function? Okay, all right. How much pain are you having on that zero to 10 scale? And I mean, 10 is, I'm having, I got to go to the hospital. I'm dying. You know, this is the worst pain I've ever experienced. Someone's poked a needle through the center of my eye. And, you know, this is bad pain. Okay, let's, let's right side that thought process. Let's figure out where you are. Okay, now let's take some weight off the bar. Okay, let's take a bunch of weight off the bar. I want you to do a squat for me. How do you feel? Well, I don't feel it there. Okay, great. Let's add a little weight back to the bar. How do you feel now? I don't feel it there either. Okay, let's put a little bit more weight. How do you feel here? Oh, I'm starting to feel a little bit, just a little bit right there. Right there is where I want you to be. Now, it matters what soft tissue, it matters what tissue is injured and how I respond because muscle, ligament, tendon, cartilage, their bone, they're all different. Okay, so I got to, I got to analyze what tissue is involved. But then I might say, all right, instead of doing your three sets of five today, we're going to do three sets of 10 at that load right there. You sprained your hamstring, strained your hamstring. But we're going to flush it with blood. We're going to let it know that we're in the recovery mode. And then afterwards, you're going to ice. Um, some people don't like ice, but I still use ice sometimes prophylactically too, at least for, at least for 24 hours. And then after that, that, I do intermittent compression or heat and all sorts of other things. Movement is the number one thing, but they're training. They are continuing to train. We don't, the injured mindset limits them nine times out of 10. And so. Um, our, our clients are just chuckling, listening to you explain that because we take them through the exact same procedure, yeah. you know, the old motion is lotion thing. And yeah, like you, yeah. You, you said, you know, you have to bring blood flow into the tissue if you want to bring 
healing and, you know, yeah. immobilization is rarely the answer. There are occasions, you know, where sure. somebody needs to go to the hospital and immobilize, but like you said, nine times out of 10, there is something you can do that will not increase pain. And actually like a big part of our whole training philosophy came about because of an injury that I had in 2015. I was doing a squat and I tore my glute and I uh, found out I had a couple of bulge discs that were giving me some radiculopathy in my in one of my legs. And anyway, through that whole experience, I was like, well, I'm not going to do nothing. I can't load the, the squat and the deadlift heavy right now. So that's how I kind of dip my toe into bodybuilding and learning, hey, there's a million things I can do over here on the hypertrophy side. And you know, while my glute healed and while my back healed, made a lot of gains and learned a lot of new things. But yeah. if I would have just taken that time to, you know, I probably would have let my nutrition go to crap. I probably would have gained 20 pounds, but continuing to train through injury builds so much mental toughness that gets overlooked also. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a successful life habit. I mean, when you think about it, our organization 40 fits all about fitness, health and lifestyle. So that's a lifestyle habit that you learn in your fitness and your health, but really it carries over to everything because if you can, if you can learn how to endure through hard times, through a hard incident and not allow that to, it may change your actions a little bit, but it doesn't stop you from moving forward. Um, Cause there are some things in life, let, let's face it, they completely stop you from moving forward. And you're going to have some of those things in your life as you age. But the goal is when, when as often as possible, not allowing those things to have that to happen. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, you may know a little bit of my background real quick, but uh, you know, I had four back surgeries in the same calendar year about six or seven years ago, four major back surgeries. And it, 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 it hurt my identity as a, as a doctor of PT, as a strength coach, as a CrossFit athlete at the time, as a starting strength coach, you know, that my whole life was health and fitness, you know? And so there were those questions, those looming questions, will I ever get back to lifting? Will I ever get back to a physical level that is a part of who I am expression wise? Anybody that knows me knows that I love to live. I love to train. It's who I am. And, um, so I had to also learn how to right size my identity too, and recognize that that's only a part of who I am. You know, mm -hmm. this right here can also be given to other people and and maximize their opportunity to live that fitness and health and lifestyle that they want to live. So we can we've done podcasts, I mean, multiple podcasts on on injuries and there's 101 ways to approach it. And I think you made the perfect point, Jonathan. The key is keep moving forward. Don't let that injury. The, the number one nugget to take home is don't the injury stop you in your tracks and have an injured mindset, that you have an injured body. Don't become the identified patient, the patient or the person who becomes a patient now. You're no longer Jonathan. You're a patient, and now I am my injury. No, you're not. you got to move past that. So You've got a yeah. podcast episode called uh, You Are Not Your MRI, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a good episode. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to proselytize too much, but, but yeah, it's a great, you know, because I can't yeah. tell you my, yeah. You know, I, sometimes I think my experience as a strength coach, a CrossFit coach, a personal trainer years ago, and as a PT, is just something that everybody knows. And the more I recognize that the knowledge and the experience that you have probably that I have, a lot of people don't have that mindset. They don't know. And it's our job to get out there and to spread that word, to, to share that knowledge, to allow them to experience what we've experienced. And I think the beautiful thing that you're talking about, too, is that um, a lot of people think that uh, 
your fitness is is without uh, bumps in the road. You know, you know, we talk about deloads, life deloads, right? Deloads, things that get you off the track. They're going to happen. The question is not if they're going to happen. The question is, what are you going to do to get back on the track and get back rolling? You know, and sometimes those life deloads can be launching pads for a a crazy amount of success in whatever part of your life you're dealing with. Absolutely. It's good. I love this. I love these kinds of these talks. Yeah. It's motivating. Well, uh, besides the, uh, the 40 fit radio podcast, which I'll link to in the description of this episode. If we have a lot of t- uh, clients in Texas, cause we're in Texas. Um, if we have anybody up in your neck of the woods, how do they, you know, reach out as far as like your clinical practice and uh, what's the best way to kind of stay in touch with what you're doing? Sure. So you can go to our Facebook is not real active. We have a Facebook, but the social media world's got me upside down. So, um, but, um, my Instagram is um, at Dr. Deaton and Instagram uh, at 40 fit uh, radio on Instagram is our Instagram too. Um, you can go to, you could email me to info at 40 fit.com or um, you can go to D you can also go to different websites. You can go to 40 fit.com. You can go, go to fortwarthstrength.com uh, or ftws.com. That's my gym. That's the, my cross, my um, uh, starting strength affiliate in the Keller, North Fort Worth area. And uh, I think that's about it. 40fit.com. Yeah. That's, yeah. If you guys uh, follow Dr. Deaton on Instagram, get ready to see a bunch of ranching pictures. Yeah. He's, he's living well, out at the ranch it, now. It's been more ranching than it has been fitness lately, but it's ranching fitness. So right. I'm it's actually, real life so, fitness. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm actually sitting in a, Colorado cat between Texas and Colorado now. And, and so um, I'm actually sitting in the bathroom. <laughs> and and also, yeah, so we're high tech here, man. But it was yeah. also the only place where my dogs weren't running around. But so my number one, you know, emphasis to your folks is basically this live your lifestyle. Whatever you're doing with your fitness, live it out, make it impactful, you know, go use it somewhere. All right. If, and your fitness should also change over time. You know, it should change over time. And that means if you're doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, I don't mean the same lifts. If you're changing the, the frequency and the, the load and the rep count and the, the set count and all that stuff and maybe modifying the lifts to other lifts, that's fine. But don't do the same thing over and over again. But live your fitness. Again, it's fitness, fitness health, and lifestyle. Take your fitness and your health maximize it so that you can go out and you can live it. Love it. All right. Well, I really appreciate your time today. And uh, yeah, I've got a list of things we'll get to next time for sure. So enjoy the rest of your day. And thanks again. You bet. Take care. Thank you all for listening. We truly appreciate it. But real quick, before we go, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Be sure and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Digital Barbell for all of the latest and greatest free content. If you're interested in working with Blakely and I, we'd love to talk. Apply for coaching with the link in the description of this episode or by visiting digitalbarbell.com. We'd love to talk about helping you reach your goals with a training and nutrition program built just for you. Thanks again and have a great day.